I'm so glad to be sitting here talking to the two of you and to be re-recording this after we finally had the unspeakable happen. I forgot to start recording this thing. So good Lord, it's so good to be here with you, Django and Ryan. I'm glad to be here too. And Uh, it's- I was. (laughs) <laughs> nice to see a friendly face in the form of Ryan, whose uh, last 20 minutes you just threw out the window. Totally wasted, like an, a rank amateur. And I can't even like go through to see if there's any good bits. There's just no audio <laughs> of that left. But this is where we separate the amateurs from the, the professionals, okay? Um, let's remember the things that we've talked about and not talked about. Perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 192, where I just got a right proper rimming from my boys, Django and Roman. And every Tuesday, we get a bunch of comics at the comic shop, and we talk about them all. We talk them all. And then we somehow use those comics to get out of those strange places our friends have put us, or themselves. Um, I am Jeff, and by the end of all of us saying our names, I'll be back to normal. I'm Django, and I hope that by the end of us saying all our names, my hands don't smell like crabs anymore. Uh, and I'm Roman, and my hands smell perfectly fine. No crabs here. Um, so Django, you got crabs today. You had crabs. You you got an <laughs> I, I, yes. got acquired, cooked, extracted the crab meat of crabs. How was that? You're a gross little cajun man you're pretty good at taking fish meat out of exoskeletons it's delicious i think if you guys had seen it you would have said the term rat fingers about 300 times in 45 minutes yeah um i i processed three full crabs in that time he calls them processing uh, it it's always processing it (laughs) if i was stranded on a desert island crabs would be low on my list of uh work to reward foods i find them rewarding no, they're delicious. Uh, and yeah, I guess that they're delicious. Oh, shit. It's a comic podcast. We own a comic yeah. shop. We get together every week to talk about them. We like comics a lot. And we have a complex relationship with them um, the, in this quarantine time. Django, could you not smell your fingers the entire <laughs> podcast? Because I'm picturing crabs, crab Django <laughs> finger stink when you do it. I'll, uh, I'll see you tomorrow and I'll show you what they smell like. And we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read, the shop that we work at, or the comings and goings of our lives, which today has been pretty (laughs) crab-centric. Got a big old stack of books for you in an uncouth way. So I'll tell you about that more, but we're going to talk about Batman, Three Jokers, number one, Fantastic Four, Antithesis, number one, The Question, number four, Deaths of Vic Sage, X-Men, number 11, That Texas Blood, number three, Mega Man, Fully Charged, number one. Daredevil Annual, number one. And Lock and Key and Pale Battalions, number one. Spoilers, I read that because I was certain Django was going to read it and we would be able to have a conversation about it. And I'm the only one who read it. So I get Jokes to drive that boat. And I'm going to make sure everyone knows that Lock and Key is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but no, for real, everyone, hey, we had a, spe- like a special thing happened this week. Batman Three Jokers came out, and we had a very special guest on to talk about that with Django and I. The old Ryan Russell, friend of the shop, big fan of his game. And because this weekend, he and his wife will be giving birth to a precious new child. Uh, they're going to name it Django. They're naming it Django, and she's going to be the most bearded, uh, precious female angel there's ever been because if you have Django <laughs> as your name you get chops um oh man never mind um <laughs> but uh we had to record that earlier in the week because of the birth so Roman you weren't there for that so when we come back we're gonna get your thoughts on Batman three jokers but we are going to go dip in and check in with our past selves right now and spoilers to everyone I forgot to hit record at the beginning of that conversation. So uh, about 20 minutes in, I put my head in my precious legs and I rolled into a ball and I just sort of rolled around in a concentric circle for like seven minutes. And then I worked up the courage to start the conversation again and re-record it. So uh, be gentle with us. And that's what you're about to hear now. While you do that, I'm going to clean my hands. Hey, Ryan. Hey Jeff, um, that's good so far. Keep it, yeah. keep it going, guys. Seems good. Seems good. We're here we, to talk we said about. That, we said that before, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Jeff. Wait, is there already? The word interstitial is coming to mind. Um, we're really excited to talk about Batman Three Jokers uh, by Jeff Johns, Jason Fabok, and Brad Anderson, which came out this week. We've been excited to talk about this book forever because it was announced forever ago, and. Uh, you know, like Django pointed out in the previous recording, right at the end of the New 52 and the beginning of Rebirth. But we thought it would be good to gather to talk about this book at a specific moment in time because there's something we wanted to talk about uh, at the same time. So we're going to push off three Jokers for three more minutes. Just, just stay excited, kids. Stay excited about that. In fact, learn to whet your excitement appetite because we have something to get everyone even more excited. Although Django just looked at me. Uh, with a strange face as I said that. So maybe I'll think about the wording again. Um, What? But Django and Ryan and I have been cooking up something uh, for the last several months. It was derailed a little bit by the COVID pandemic, but we got back on track. Um, And I'm really, really excited to announce it here, even though it's been alluded to a bit in the PAPcast here and there. But uh, Django, Ryan, tell them what we're up to. Oh, you've been talking about Batman and drinking coffee. Oh, yeah. You know what? That sounds like actually just sort of a summative statement about the last, like, six years of my life. Like, You're right. Uh, oh, it's let been me try some again. variation on drinking coffee and talking about probably Batman because every issue has been on the podcast. Let me try this. Okay. We've been recording ourselves drinking coffee and talking about Batman. Trying to record. Sometimes Jeff <laughs> forgets. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, man, the, we've been recording a podcast called Coffee and Cows that we're incredibly excited to finally birth into the world like a newborn baby. We got a uh, six-pack in the can. Do we have that many in the can already? Pretty close. They don't know. That's true. We've got a six-pack in the can. Ryan, you want to tell them a little bit about why we're doing this this thing? Well, the three of us, we uh, we were hanging out drinking coffee one day, and I was just like, man, like I would love if we recorded like a graphic novel podcast and then we talked about if we did that, what would be the first book? And I was like, well, we all love year one. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like we all, everyone has their peaks of like their favorite Batman, but I feel like for us, we were like, we were going to do something 
our love of Batman and that book should be the first one. And then we were like, wait, what if the whole thing was just Batman and coffee? And we were like, you know what, let's do that. What I love is that in the recording of the first episode, it was going, we hadn't come up with a title yet. And we thought we were going to be doing like superhero graphic novels paired with a specific coffee roast. Um, because uh, Django and I, I don't know if everyone knows, Django and I work in comics and Ryan works in coffee and is a bit of a, a, a coffee wizard. He's they don't know that, but they know now. They know now. He's got a, like a hat and a robe and a wand and it's covered in glittery stars. And, and there's beans. a mug. Yeah. And he, he <laughs> glittery beans. Um, but he's been pairing different graphic novels with specific coffee roasts. But in that first podcast, we, we decide, wait, maybe we should just do all Batman graphic novels because we're never going to run out of those. And we love talking about him. And, and maybe then there will be slightly less Batman conversation in the regular week, weekly podcast. And we all have kind of our own secret comic book origins are somehow related to Batman. I think um, I have, this is a little spoiler alert for part oh. of the podcast for the, the coffee oh. and cows, but I have 12 long boxes of Batman comics in my collection. I have two long boxes of comics in my collection. I have no long boxes because I don't collect single issues. I just have graphic novels. Listen, you show with, off bastards. I'm with Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been super fun. Uh, I've learned a ton about these comics that I had read a long time ago. And I think, especially the older I get and keeping up with newer comics, I have to kind of create reasons for myself to, to reread something like it's got the time is short. So to reread something, I have to kind of create, a system or reason to do it and you know coffee and cowls has been this awesome way to hang out talk for about an hour hour and a half about a book that uh is either awesome or not awesome spoilers none of them have been not awesome but i've had so much fun doing it varying qualities of good but then like and then django's been tracking down random issues that tie into them and trying to get me to read them and <laughs> uh it's just been a total blast. So I cannot wait to put it out in the world. Uh, I think we're all pretty excited about it. And we put a lot of work into it. Ryan has brought some fantastic roasts to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, it's for me, it's, it's been very exciting because it's like coming into the comics place as a, you know, as a subscriber, I, I buy singles, but I'm not a collector. I just like, I just like reading this stuff. Um, it's been just so nice to have both of you just encyclopedia of Batman's. To That's just generous. be able to like re-read stuff and like realize that there's all these connections and just all, you know, some of the stories I'd already previously read, but then some of them I hadn't. And it's just, it's so nice to have just two, what's, what's a comic sommelier? <laughs> Shop workers. That's okay. all. There's no yeah. glory to the term. You just you work by it's retail. Yeah. Encyclopedia Wayne. That's I, I pre, that's a very generous because I you know Roman Roman is the tome. I'm just a guy who goes loud and tries to drive a train. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've got back. we've got several of these in the can. They're going to be coming out monthly. Um, we don't know the specific date of the first one, but it's going to be shortly here i guess we haven't talked yeah. too much but we need to get some graphic design done but oh. uh, i'm excited to get everybody look for uh coffee and cowls we'll get a whole separate podcast feed up for it and y'all can just have you know four comics place podcast streams oh. or something going into your phones at any given time we're, we're diluting the market do you two ever wonder if like your shoppers just ever get so sick of you two every I day of my life do. ryan i 
I guarantee they do, and I worry about it every day. Follow oh. up. Why do I feel like I just can't get enough? <laughs> well, we're all it's, broken in different ways, Ryan. <laughs> it's that little bit of cocaine. <laughs> Jeff worries about the fact that they might get tired of us. I have a big enough ego to never get, wouldn't never worry about people getting tired of me. That's their problem. You know, and, it, uh, it's also been a fun podcast because, hmm. uh, you know, the whole the previous thing that didn't get recorded, I compared uh, Papcast to sort of like late night news stations in the '80s, where it's just suits and cocaine and like, you know, just late nights. Um, that listen, sir, you need jo- you need Justin here for jokes like that. Like, this, <laughs> this this is a family show, and I'm the, on. This is and I love that Ryan about to be a new father. Um, so yeah. literally two days from now. Yeah, by the time this goes oh. up, it will have happened. In fact, I'll have a kid. Wow, that's crazy. Do you have any messages to future just or future Ryan or future Justin? Read huh. Batman Year One. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it's it's been a little bit more uh, actual discussions, which has been real hard for Jangu because actually, you know, for the number that we have in the can, I don't think he's farted or burped on on recording yet. Well, I'm trying to keep it PG-13 or less. I love that about you. There's also been no transformer noises. Tingo, can I get one transformer? Yeah, we're in the other. We're, we're in the CBS at, or K, we're at Fox News in the '80s right now. Give it to me. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right, thank you for indulging us there. We hope to see all of you on that podcast feed. Um, coffee and cows continue to check for, it, but we'll make sure you know, keep you abreast of the situation as we get there. Ooh, Three jokers is out. This book has been on the on the on the you know the precipice of coming out for years <laughs> for the entire time that we've been at the current comic shop. We've known that this book was going to come out. Who was writing it? What yeah. it was going to be vaguely about? I don't think that that level of expectation buildup ever really works in the favor of a specific thing. Whether you know, I waited 13 years for a <clears throat> Tool album. That was actually pretty good. I liked that. Yeah, I mean, this they, they teased this story a little bit in at the end of the Justice League uh, of the New 52. It was around issue 48, where Batman sat in the Mobius chair and uh, asked the Mobius chair of all knowledge who the Joker was, and it told him something that we didn't get to hear because we weren't sitting in the chair. And then I think it was not until the beginning of Rebirth when he mentioned that there were three Jokers. And uh, gosh, that seems like forever ago it was, it was more than four years ago i think it was the final issue of the dark side war because he's sitting in the chair and he goes like who is the joker and then he just says that's not possible um, yeah or, yeah and maybe <clears throat> we just got the cliffhanger of knowing that's not possible and then maybe it was like in the button or something we learned he's like oh there's three of them there's three yeah anyway i think that this is uh pretty cool comic i have a hard time talking about it and i'll tell you why when something is clearly really really good the things that stop it the things that like make the difference between a 9.5 and a 10 are very clear to me Mm -hmm. and none of that is for a, a poor quality of a comic here but there are some things in here that stood out to me as i was reading it um you know like you know, I maybe just spoiled my rating, but I would put it like like a 9.5. I think this is inc- beautiful. Jason Fabric's art is amazing. That was the main time suck for this book is that Fabric was trying to make this the work of his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, bef- before I pick up things apart about it, um, did, you, did you like it, Django? To say this is a pretty cool comic is, is burying the lead or something. 
I, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I've read it twice already, which I don't do with most comics. I also have. <clears throat> um, I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting. It, it pulls you right through. It's got a lot of kind of visual references to things that I love. And you know, I'm a sucker for that. It's Indiana uh, Jones on every single page of this book. And it's yeah. disgusting. Jeff Johns, why are you trying to flirt with Django through a comic book? <laughs> well, the whole package is a reference to The Killing Steve Joke. Oh. Right? And there are panels that look just like The Killing Joke. There's panels that owe a lot to death, of, or death in the family. Um, there, are, there are panels that are just straight up uh, ripoffs from the killing joke like in the beginning when alfred's taking bruce's bat suit off that's just like when barbara is holding on to his cape in the killing joke right before we flat we like we use that same uh hands on a body to switch over to gordon with people doing the same thing i would really like to look at this issue with you in the same physical space, which we share many days of the week. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think there are, I am not super, super versed in Killing Joke. I've read it probably three times, like yeah. it a lot. Uh, I think the art's amazing. I think some of the stuff you taught me about what, like how the storytelling was going on really blew my mind. And I'll do a quick brief summary of this as well, but I do got to get Ryan's hot take on it as, you know, as we, Django and I both just sort of gave our soft opinions of it. What's your soft opinion? What angle are you approaching this from? I'm approaching it from, I, I love Faybach. I love, really, I love Anderson's color work too, but I am a huge sucker for Jeff Johns. I love pretty much, all, we'll say almost everything Jeff Johns has ever written, even going back to like the Star, Star and Stripes. You know, I, I only heard about this about a year ago. I didn't hear about it, you know, as far back as you two did, but knowing that he was going to be writing this, like I couldn't, I, I've been just waiting, you know, as eagerly as I, I can't even think of a descriptive word. I've been waiting <laughs> so long for this. Um, um, but it's just like, it's something where it starts on a journey and you cause you're so much hype to it and you don't know, is it going to live up to that hype? Yeah. It's almost like put, you're pulling back, not to get too green arrow, you're pulling back a bow. There's so much tension and then the book lets go of the arrow and then it stops and you don't know what, you don't know what's going to happen. Did it hit the bullseye? You know, they, you're going to wait till all three issues, but like, yeah. it's just such a buildup and then just like a whoosh and you don't know what's going to happen. And next. we're in the, like we're in the middle of the Zack Snyder slow-mo right now. We don't <laughs> so, know if they're going to land. So then to not talk about it as a whole whole story did this issue like did you feel satisfied did you feel disappointed like you were pretty excited about it i felt very satisfied i you know i to me i you know these i got i i don't take a lot of books where i'm gonna collect them and keep them from ever as single issues i'm absolutely gonna do that to these like i feel like these are ones that you know i i have high hopes for it that it's going to be a an extremely important book in the history of Batman and just DC as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's, I don't want to give my score yet, but okay. I feel like that, um, you know, this is a, if you, if you even have an inkling of wanting to read it, you need to read it immediately because there are some absolute spoilers that when we, if we reveal that on this podcast, we, we should will have a good 
You we, have a good 10 seconds of just silence. So let's <laughs> just, let's, let's say spoilers now and then not talk about those specific spoilers t- for a little bit, but let's yeah. just say hardcore spoilers. We're going to talk about this issue. And I think it's kind of probably the most exciting comic book event of the last year. I think this is the highest anticipated release for me since Hickman's <laughs> X-Men book from last July. So, you yeah, know, so I, pick I, up a copy. Don't exactly don't, don't let okay. us spoil it. Read it before you listen to the rest. They got them. They'll take it to your house. We've yeah. got them. We'll take it to your house. We've got five different covers on this taco shell right here. We'll get we'll get any one of them to you, and you can fill this taco shell with any type of like vegetarian or meat-based protein that you want, and then vegetables, cheese, the works. It's fantastic. We'll bring it there. That one maybe got away from me. So <laughs> in this issue, it starts pretty weirdly. Bruce getting back home from some mysterious fight where he gets home and he actually runs into the Thomas Wayne gravestone and breaks it down. Uh, he's hanging out with Alfred getting cleaned up, but there's like a, so three separate narratives being told at the beginning here. One primarily Batman as he's overhearing a crime that happened with the Joker one night. The second scene follows Barbara Gordon as she is also hearing about a different crime that the Joker committed that same night at the same time. And then the third scene is Jason Todd beating up some Joker lackeys because he's been on the Joker's trail. And there is a crime that's going on there that, that uh, another Joker, uh, they get caught at the same time doing. Then Batman, Barbara Gordon, Jason Todd, all go track down that sort of third Joker crime. Some stuff happens. We'll talk about the end at the end. Was that fair? Did I miss any sort of the important bits moving, you know? No, I, I think it's... I think it's uh a pretty simple story when you boil it down uh it's it's being told in a more interesting way than than a 30 second explanation gives you but yeah yeah that's that's the beats i think man is it gorgeous so gorgeous Mm -hmm. so i want to talk about this like the very beginning scene which is what jenga was talking about where as batman gets home there is the scene of alfred taking off batman's clothes kind of mending up a wound but there are you know probably four pages of non-verbal scenes that show that are six panel pages and it shows just some wound of Batman and then an image flashing back to a store where he got that horrible wound. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like, I think one thing that's clear about this book is it's being written in a way that you can approach it, you know, 15 years from now and it will still feel like a relevant current thing. Yeah. So I think oftentimes when that happens in a story they do that by like retelling aspects of the origin or trying to be sort of vague about strict continuity spots. So it doesn't fit so perfectly into one moment and dating it. Um, and I think that this is just one of the most interesting and well executed ways to tell a huge amount about the personality, the psychology and the history of Batman in three pages with no words. Just here is this super wounded man and all of the experiences that lead to it. And it is that, but it also is setting us up for the main course here because first, Alfred's operating on a wound from the Penguin. And then we see a wound from Bane and then the Riddler and then Catwoman, Killer Croc, Scarecrow, Joker, 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 Joker. Like Batman is haunted by the Joker as, as we do an inventory of his scars here. And, uh, I think that that, I really like the pacing of that, where it's just like, oh, this guy is a recurring theme in your pain. 
Yeah, that's a that's a really really good way of putting it, man. I, I um, think that it was like some of the best non-verbal characterization I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time. Yeah, and it, oh, go ahead. Nope. It, well, you know, one thing it also it's it helps like encompass so much of the past. You know, I'll say thirty years of bad history. Yeah, but it may be even further back than that. With I mean, with no words, and it's yeah. kind of like it. It helps, you know, when you read books now, and you know they're not going to be the main series. You don't really know how they're going to tie in. Is it going to be the canon? Is it going to be something mm-hmm. else? But this is basically like we're taking all of it. Yeah, and and it's all it's all part of it, you know. And I, I love when they can do that. And I think that when you're trying to refer, like write a story that these are kind of referred to as evergreen stories, you know, stories that like Killing Joke or Watchmen can be kind of just sold forever and are timeless. Uh, you know, finding a way to make it both modern and timeless is difficult. And, and Jeff Johns has this love of classic comic book dumb in a similar way to like Grant Morrison that I really admire. And I think uh, is, is very present and on display here. I love as it, the Joker, you know, the shots that Jane was talking about, like Joker, Joker, Joker. And then just the shot of Bruce kind of being haunted by the laughter of Joker. And mm-hmm. then goes into only a page and a half, probably, you know, 14 panels on two nine panel grid pages shows a silent, well, not silent, but uh, a non narration based retelling of Batman's parents getting killed in the alley. And as it shows this flashing of, him crying and the guy with the gun in his face and it shows his eye and it says this wound is deeper than the others. And that's Alfred talking about a super, uh, this wound he just got from the penguin from an umbrella. But the way that the beginning of this phrase was set up is that time heals all wounds if they don't kill you first. It's talking about this sort of metaphor of wounds. And then it tells this narration of his parents being killed and that, and then the, the offset version of this wound is deeper than the others. Like this is the one that time can't heal. This is the moment that he can't mm-hmm. get past such really um, meta storytelling while being still like, it's not Grant Morrison being like, well, the metaverse and the fifth dimension. It's like, he's, he's talking about some very large holistic ideas while also telling a very linear, you know, moments in time overlapped by uh, a, a perception. So. Well, and this does the same thing that The Watchmen did and that The Killing Joke did really well, which is every single scene change or flashback is overlapped either visually or thematically. Because when we get when we get out of the flashbacks of the Joker, 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 Joker giving him his scars, Bruce is hearing his laughter echoing in his head. And then we go straight into the flashback of his parents being killed. And he asks his parents, why are you laughing? Django, I've just got to give you a real quick fuck you. Um, Because once upon a time, you showed me that if you look at Killing Joke and there's these different scenes, when a scene ends, there'll be like a panel of like me about to smack Django. And then the following (laughs) scene will be a criminal about to smack Batman. And Uh they're doing this visual transition. I did not realize that this issue was doing that until you just were talking about that and then i was like oh damn oh damn he's it's all doing over it. it this like you know barbara turning off the shower his hand her hand is in the same spot as jason todd breaking the criminal's hand the page yep. before it is alfred or reaching towards the, the the cowl and the hand extending which transitions to barbara gordon's hand extending and that is the kind of shit 
that blew my mind when you told me about Killing Joke. And I know that Jason Fabok has said he spent the last two years with like three different copies of The Killing Joke on his table, his working <laughs> station, constantly going through it. But I, I anticipated to see stuff like that. I did not catch it as I was reading this. That's uh, so to cool. be fair, I didn't either. I noticed it while we were talking just now. It's so, so good. I really liked the Barbara Gordon scene. I liked the Barbara Gordon scene. She goes to work out. She's on a treadmill. She's running real hard. She hears about the Joker just killed somebody. It clearly triggers something within her. And, you know, she starts, she runs so fast, she breaks the treadmill. And somebody else says, not another one. And I, I did have to pause and say, I don't know. How fast is she? Like, I stopped and I was like, how fast does someone have to run for a treadmill to break? That's got to be really fast. You need a new gym, Babs. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting, like, and maybe, maybe I'm reading into it, and maybe this is not kind of on the nose like this, but it was very interesting that they made such a focus of her running and then immediately flashed to those old scenes from Killing Choke of when she becomes paralyzed. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, it, running. Even just like hearing you say yeah, running yeah. is, I mean, yeah, yeah I, but. Uh, Maybe yeah, I just yeah. made a goof, and that's a very apparent thing. We can just cut this right now. No, no, out. no. I didn't. I didn't. Fuck off. I didn't think that. <laughs> I, I mean, just hearing you say the word running aloud made me be like, okay. Like, you know. Uh, I think they're showing us that she's come back from that. And right. she's able, you know, like, instead of just giving us, right. here's Batgirl, we, now we know that she's healed enough to actually be doing that. I'm dumb. Um, and, it, and it is crazy. Like, they take three panels and tell the entire killing joke at least from barbara's perspective in three panels one of which has words but you really don't even need the words to understand what was going on yeah and you know i he whatever you know like whatever whatever time he spent going over killing joke like it came through and to me it works very well like every panel is just like this like there they could be you know i want an enlargement of every one of these panels you know so yeah. i i felt a little bit like why does it have to be the nine panel grid but now after realizing how much of like the transitional elements of it are directly referencing killing joke which i knew mm-hmm. was happening but even down to just like the actual the way that the transitions are going the usage of the nine panel grid makes more sense to me before it seemed like you know we want to just sort of have it feel like it but actually they are telling the story in a similar way so i I dig that. The The next scene is Jason Todd beating up a bunch of Joker lackeys, which, you know, in the same way that it told the killing joke, it also retells aspects of the death in the family here while he's beating the shit out of these Joker lackeys. We're also seeing the scene as, you know, in Jason's mind of the Joker beating him to death or an old continuity actually beating him to death. Mm-hmm. And here we see the giant scar on the back of his head and we just get like six brutal panels of him joyfully bashing in Jason's head. And those are straight from the death in the family. Yeah, they are. And it's crazy that they left that brutality there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I thought that was, they do some pretty brutal stuff with Jason in this, but I think that that was, they really captured the horror, the horror of that whole scene really well in that. They were definitely like tipping, tipping the cap that like, this is going to be one of those stories where we go places that you may not can always go with Mm -hmm. big back, man books modern yeah. you know so um can i show you guys a little bit of my um the holes in my batman knowledge yeah how did jason come back originally 
the explanation for Jason coming back was that at the end of Infinite Crisis, when Superboy Prime punched through the wall of reality, okay. it reset some weird <clears throat> things, and Jason woke up from the dead in his grave and clawed himself out. Okay. Um, I'll, and, I'll accept it. And that was the explanation pre-New 52. And okay. I think that it changed a little bit from then. Um, even in the Morrison stuff, like they 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 put him in a Lazarus pit um, because maybe he was near death or something. But like they've slowly been transitioning to this maybe this idea that he wasn't actually fully dead. And huh. I prefer him fully dying. Yeah, I don't too. prefer Superboy Prime punching reality as like resetting continuity. I don't have any problem with it, but I would rather have that explanation for him coming back from the dead than losing the fact that he died altogether. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that because I'm <laughs> rereading that right now. Infinite Crisis. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good book. Jeff Johns, another, another Jeff Johns. Yeah, he's so I, uh, good. Yeah, I um I. It's been probably more than ten years since I read it, and I just don't, don't. I didn't. I don't think I just recall pretty much anything, and so I've been trying to reread it. So I read it my little... freshman freshman year of college. So I think ten years for me as well. Um, so we flash after that. We go to we we have another transition of Jason picking up the red hood to Bullock pulling a red hood off of a murder victim at Ace nice. Chemical. Not right. visually the exact same image, but it is a hand taking a red hood off. Nice, Jago. Yep. Just yep. seeing it now. Killer and pole. E even the Joker flashback has like a, a thematic switch. And what I loved about that was that there are three victims in Ace Chemical where in the killing joke, we saw the Joker become the Joker. The comedian became the Joker. Um, and there were three found, criminals. There were three criminals. It was in like the killing two. Joke? Yeah, it was like two dudes who talked this comedian into putting on a red hood. I remember that. And being the ringleader. And and they, they were the ones that wanted to, they wanted to go to the chemical place first, right? Right. And that, right. that okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, there was so, a third criminal that was not the red hood? It was, it was two dudes who put the right. hood on the Joker. Right. And that's what we've got here is okay. three people dressed as the Red Hood. But when you take the Red Hood off, they all, all three of them look like the guys in from The Killing Joke. And I Do they look like, like the same that. people from The Killing Joke? Yeah. Yeah. And it's revealed in here that the Joker probably found three homeless people and altered them to look like that. I need to reread. I'm glad that Joke. I'm a podcast with you too to learn all this stuff because <laughs> I y'all this some deep cuts going on here. All I'm you gotta do is read the like killing cuts. Like, <laughs> to me, it just sounds like times. two people who don't really know stuff trying to figure stuff out. So, <laughs> um, I, yeah, my curiosity was: there's three bodies found in Ace Chemical with red hood things on. So I was curious: were there three three criminals that tricked and ultimately caused Red Hood to die and become the Joker, or was he including himself in the number of three? Was it two criminals and himself? He's including himself. Okay. So yeah. that, that is also interesting in terms of talking about the number. I really liked in that scene as he and Harvey and uh, James Gordon, and James Gordon looks almost exactly like James Gordon from Batman the Animated Series, which <laughs> is a Jeff plus. Django recently pointed out that the way that we, or, um, Gordon sounds in the animated series, his voice is like not at all what he pictured Gordon to sound like. And I can't stop 
thinking about that. Oh. But as uh, as Batman is helping these two cops investigate this stuff, he's having this conversation that sounds like it's with himself, maybe. And in reality, um, they're like, no, Batman, who are you talking to? And then there's just this fucking awesome shot of Barbara perched on a wall. And she's just like, this is where he fell, isn't it? Uh, oh, he's talking to me, Commissioner. Like, I... I just think that's like one of the most badass character uh, scene sort of appearances in a really long time. I, I, I think that her, the, the way that they almost make Batgirl feel like Batman in terms of the way that when he's visiting with cops, he dips out when he wants, he doesn't say hi, he doesn't say bye. And to see that amount of sort of character ad- adoption within Batgirl, I, I loved. I, I, I really like Barbara Gordon as Batgirl and uh, there's not, been i think lately a lot of really really great batgirl stories so or purchase representations that next two-page spread had my two gripes about the issue one was after after she jumps down into the the emptied vat it's not clear to me that the vat was empty and she jumps down and it looks like she's swinging on a rope but there's no rope really she just jumps down into this empty this vat of chemicals that has been draining and jumps back up and out the second time I read this, I really stopped and had issue with that as well because yeah. the art is gorgeous throughout all of this. The art is gorgeous throughout all of this. I think that Jason Fabok is still a young creator and I think how he's able to tell the story that exists between the images is not, mm-hmm. he's not quite a master yet, even though his line work, everything is gorgeous. Like this looks like Gary Frank. I kept feeling like this was a, a continuation of Doomsday Clock or something. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's the nine panel grid. But I, I so that thing stood out to me. And what I had to feel like it was is in one of like the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, there's like a scene where Batman kind of like comes down and his cape is like out and he like glides down in a uh-huh. way that almost doesn't seem like physics work. And I that's how I had to like make that scene work was not her going down to the bottom and jumping out, but that she has, she put her wings out and had this sort of like graceful decrescendo to the ground or something. Like she jumps down, but again, that's very nitpicky, pretty nitpicky, but I, you know, as, as comic book story, there were moments while reading this the first time. And it became more clear to me the second time that I was like, I, I think it could be easier to know exactly what's going on in these scenes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's amazing, it's beautiful, and the story being told is such a joy to be a part of. It's, it's very exciting. But I think that sometimes um, the clarity of storytelling was not subpar, but just like maybe not up to the caliber of what his line work looks like and the storytelling that was going on. Just a couple just like, what what is going on? Why I have to look at this? Like, or yeah. like, I don't know, I, yeah gorgeous images but i would sort of look at them for a long time trying to figure out exactly what's going on and if it wasn't as if everything wasn't as strong as it is we would not be talking like this right i feel like Like, exactly because you just say it's a seven it already passed it already passed the first pass yeah the first or i should say it already passed the first is this great test yes yeah so now it's like all right now we're gonna put on the bifocals and let's get in here and you know and so and and so by us saying this like it is still a masterpiece. It's just so. where it, it just lends itself so much to be like this because, you know, we, I feel like when I read it, you can tell that they were striving for perfection. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially with the time they put into it, how long it took. And, and I think just, they hit it most of the time. 
yeah and so you know none of this is a negative like it's just like but i do have some some nitpicking i'm excited to get to is it Uh, when uh gordon says paperwork ain't exactly a big priority when it comes to ace no it's more some like just larger meta meta type things but i want to get to it <laughs> at the scene where they have the three jokers they're talking about the, the three dead bodies um what they find out is like that's maybe a distraction to distract from the fact that a truck is missing that was filled with joker chemicals the same chemicals that were used to make the joker himself and mm-hmm. then we go to this pretty fantastic silent scene of the joker driving a truck with a tube at the bottom leaking criminal or, or <laughs> leaking leaking toxins, criminal juice leaking criminal criminal maker uh, tm <laughs> Uh, into this forest house in the woods. He parks, he goes to the house. He uh, knocks on the door. A different Joker answers the door. That part made me feel a little bit weird and I want to come back to it. Um, Then we get a shot of Dick and Barbara talking, but then we go to see the third Joker that is in this house. And the two words, three Jokers come up in this issue like 20 times like <laughs> it's like bold letter like these there's three jokers or did you find which of the three jokers like there's a lot of bolded two words of the word three and jokers next to each other in this issue it's like it's my favorite part of every 80s movie is when they say the title of the movie over and over again so that that was a little on the nose but we then have uh tracking down they find one of the wrenches of the henchman takes them to the aquarium they go to the aquarium uh jason barbara and bruce all together they see a Joker shark, which I think is pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And they talk to Gaggy, which is a Joker lackey. This is where I wish we had Roman on board because Roman, I'm sure, is like, oh, Gaggy's first appearance was blank and we haven't seen him since blank. And it's like a, you know, a, a Joker henchman little person that uh, gets eaten by a shark. Um, well, Slugs in comics. Yeah, he knows it all. He's a freak. You would recognize Gaggy's first appearance. It's it's an old, old, old Batman cover. It's yellow, and it's got Gaggy with like a big red nose. Um, he was he was the Joker's original sidekick, um, and his name is Gagsworth. <laughs> speaking Gagsworth of a Gagsworthy. Speaking of the Joker's sidekick, Gaggy shows up. They are fighting. The shark comes out, eats Gaggy. Then one of the Jokers shows up throws a bunch of Joker fish on Batman. They're fighting Joker. Batman takes off because they've apprehended him. He's tied up. And then there's a conversation between Barbara and Jason with Joker. And I think maybe the most powerful part of this entire issue was when Joker <clears throat> talks about how he starts joking about having killed Jason. But he says, like, remember what you said to me? And he's like, shut up. Jason says that. And then Joker says, you said that I'll be, he said, I'll do anything you want if you let me live. I'll do anything. You said, I'll be your Robin. And like, that was like one of the dirtiest, most perverse moments in mainstream comics. I feel like I've read that like, that that made me feel gross in the inside in a similar way to like when the killing joke Barbara scene happens. Like, it's like, and that was like, you know, horribly sexual and aggressive in nature in the killing joke. But this is like, almost feels perversely, grossly, like there's a movie called Fox, Fox Catcher about those wrestling guys. Ryan, have you seen that movie? Fox with Steve Carell and- 
I've watched the uh, the Thirty for Thirty, but not anyway. Not, this not not the Steve Carell one. This dude got these like young gymnasts sort of addicted to drugs and kind of, kind of was grooming them as sexual thing. Anyway, there's a whole weird thing. It made me feel like that about like the fact that Joker was sort of getting off almost on like torturing Jason to the point where Jason was saying like I'll be your Robin and stuff. There's like dirty gross. Well, it's almost like Identity Crisis where they snuck in some really gross stuff that the Justice League did and that Dr. Light did, mm-hmm. like between the panels yep. of established comics. And this almost felt like, okay, I guess we never really saw Robin's last words. Let's give him some. And I don't know why that feels so dirty and bad, but it feels really bad to me. It made me feel real bad. I mean, I, I feel like it's supposed to. Right. I, right, I didn't sure. I didn't particularly like it. Like, I could have done without it. I feel like that it's going to be extremely out of place if there aren't other horrible things to that scale mm-hmm. in various ways throughout the other two books, mm-hmm. where I would have been like, you know, y'all, that's the one thing. You, you should have picked different words because but it, 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 to me, it, it, it shows, not that necessarily I want to see it as a reader, but it takes his sadistic side and just like cranks it, cranks it to like a whole other thing that they, they don't usually show, you know, so. Well, not and it also, a, I was just, I was not to be a, not to be a pervo. I actually, for all of how gross it made me feel, I think it added a layer of richness to the Joker Batman joke like uh Jason triangle and oh, like yeah. I for yeah as as you know weird as it did is like that's gross it actually adds a layer of complexity and I think it makes all of that whole thing more juicy because it is so horrible and it was this betrayal of a, it's like almost like like you know your romantic partner cheating on you or something in some regard like we have this precious relationship where you're my sidekick and you're saying like I don't know there's this it is it is I don't know. I, I I think it's it blew me away to read it, and I was like, that's a really intelligent way to add newness to an old plot element and no, ab- add absolutely. gravity to both absolutely. of them. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a single line, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. And the next thing the Joker says is that he did it. Now he's the Red Hood, and he's killing people, and he is a pain in the ass for Batman. You're which, my sidekick. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It. And then I don't want to expose what happens at the very end of the issue. I think somebody else should. I'm going to let Django do that. He's Jason our... shoots the Joker in the head. Like a dead head. Like a dead head. Like, like big grateful old... dead acid. Like I got Oosh. shot in the head. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's, there's, it, like his head goes blorch. I would say it's, it, it would be really hard to make that not a death scene. Right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a death scene. But it's cool. We got two more Jokers, baby. I did like how the twist when uh, of anybody to do it, you would expect it the most from Jason. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it was also very interesting when they had the Barbara twist on it because she throws up this batarang as he's about to do it and she misses. And Jason says like, of how, you know, how often do you actually miss? Yeah. Like it's almost like she went through the motion of doing it so that she can claim that she tried to stop it, but it still happened. And, you know, Barbara runs away crying and it's just a whole, like, she wanted it to happen. Yeah. Or you, you, it leads you to believe that, you know? So I think that was amazing storytelling because it made me feel like this is the kind of thing that you would tell us. This is like the moment that exists as a flashback in a story that takes place 20 years from now as to like, why haven't Batgirl and Batman been 
in costumes in 20 years? Like what happened to make the Bat family fall apart? Oh, Jason killed the Joker and Barbara tried to stop him, but didn't actually commit to it. And so she's responsible for his death as well. Like there's a really yeah. like, this is the night that the Bat family fell apart feeling to that moment. And yeah, like you're saying that the weakness that it displays within Barbara, that she also wanted him to die and kind of allowed it to happen is, amazing storytelling these are like you know I've, I've been trying to cultivate all the amazing parts of this issue before i talk about some of the stuff that made me feel weird um there's there's a cliffhanger way before the end here where gordon says i think we've just cornered number two at 17th and broadway and batman leaves to go hang out with them so like what right. is number two doing at 17th and broadway while jason's killing the joker and i wonder what if 17th and broadway is a significant uh is that crime alley or something I don't think we ever really get a good address for Crime Alley that we can trust. It sounds like a Tom Finger and Cain Street. Yeah, Yeah. right. So, okay. So what I mentioned to Django without going into too much detail about this morning was that I think part of the, part of any of my weird feelings about this issue is that there was so much time leading up to it and so much excitement that I probably had some idea of what it was going to be. And this proved that what I thought this was going to be was very much not at all what it is going to be. Mm-hmm. And what I kind of assumed was that when Batman said and whatever issue he said that like, there's been three Jokers. I thought that that meant that like the Joker torch had been, you know, not ceremoniously, but like someone was the Joker. And someone else was the Joker after that. And then someone else was the Joker after that. And a sort of way that you could kind of trace his development of being like a zany, crazy Joker than to being like a really violent Joker, you know, in the, in the same way that Morrison divided up the areas of Batman or something. I was not expecting it to be like three Jokers running around all at the same time. And yes, we don't even know though. We don't. Like this this might be two people that the Joker brainwashed into thinking that they were different versions of the Joker. And I think that that is probably closer to the truth of what I assumed. But what I don't necessarily, what is hard for me to like store in my brain is the scenes of these three Jokers being around one another. Mm-hmm. because in the way that I understand the Joker and always see the Joker, it is the the absolute free radical in any equation. You can't trust him. You can't rely on him. He's going to do the thing that you don't expect he's going to do. And he certainly doesn't listen to anybody else. He's not following someone else's orders. That's like a kind of a part, even in like the Morrison Batman run, not that any one run is the true version of anything, but just m- the moments where like, you know, the truck Joker shows up and sees Hawaiian shirt Joker and refers to one of them as the boss. And they're like, yeah, I guess one of them is the boss. Like it made me like in no situation have we ever had multiple jokers hanging out. And it made me realize that the Joker as a character, to me, it doesn't like the equation doesn't quite work out when there's multiple of them. Like it felt like in an attempt to give each of these jokers kind of a unique voice to have them distinguish or be separate from one another, it watered down the Joker and it didn't end up feeling to me like any of them were truly the Joker. And that's, that's how I felt about it. And that's not a criticism of the story because I think this thing is amazing, but it's a weirdness within the story that I don't know. It, it, the Joker scenes kind of made me feel like I was never with the Joker. I think we got to give it two more issues before we make that call. Yeah. Because, that, yeah, you know, like there's this is a third of the story and this is the setup. This is all of the mystery being dumped on us at once. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting, I think, because I I don't think that Jeff Johns would 
do that. He knows what makes the Joker the Joker and why we like the Joker. I'd be surprised if he was silly enough to actually make it the Joker and his brother and his other brother, Daryl, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and Joker's always the most unique character in any situation. Like, nobody's going to out-Joker the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to what Jeff was saying, and it's like, it almost makes them as like these like dumb stereotypes where it's like, Oh, here's killing joke Joker. And here's this one, you know? Right. And, and to me, like, at least for my score, like I can't, I, you know, spoiler on the scores, I would give it for me. I want to give it a 10, but you can't because if it doesn't stick the landing, this is, it's like, it's going to be horrible if it doesn't Mm -hmm. land it perfectly for me, at least. Because it's such a good starting issue. I agree, yeah. And it sets the stage. It sets the stage in a bar that's extremely high. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if the, and I don't believe the other two are going to get botched. But there have been a lot of recent DC things that come out. And it starts out great. And then, it, you know, there's some kind of twist. And then it's just like, you feel like, you feel like you've wasted, you know, like the like the second half of the run, you just wasted reading the issues because it, it went nowhere that you even care about. And so, and I definitely don't feel like this is going to happen that way. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's. I think that it's just the byproduct of when a thing has that much lead time. Like I was trying to not get my hopes built up about it. It's impossible if you ever talk to Ryan. He's well, been so excited for this. I've been a, so it's excited. a white hot hype. You can't get around this. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's happened for so long that my brain can't help but try and be like, well, what is the story going to be? And right. um, unfortunately, with this first issue, it's amazing. But I, I'm a little bit more into what I thought the story was going to be in my head than what this is. And that's, that's, a, that's not a criticism. But like when you get two years, three years, four years to think about something and like, I just, I think I kind of predicted as being is different. And um, yeah, the, the interplay of three jokers playing off each other was not a thing I predicted. That was just, I didn't think a simultaneous interacting with one another was going to be a part of this. Um, I always assumed that it was. I was with oh, Jeff. Really? I, I thought it was going to be one person at three stages of their life. Exactly. Yeah. I, I assume that it was going to be some weird multiversal thing. Really? Yeah. He yeah, talked, like these are, these are three Jokers plucked out of different parts of the multiverse, maybe. I remember at the beginning of March, I was in Spokane, and the three of us had a text because some bits, tidbits of this were leaked, and I think the first covers came out um, mm-hmm. right before the pandemic. And Jeff Johns came out as saying, like, yeah, this is about trauma, and it's about wounds and, like, healing. And so the way that I was... I had a very sort of like salient, you know, I even said in that message, like, I hope it's not like Joker has undergone these traumas that then cause him to like PTSD, create a new personality. And every one of these has just been like the same guy with a new personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I actually think I would prefer that to this, but I, I don't know what this is. So actually, you know, like that's not a fair statement, but one issue in, I'm like, okay, this is, this is going to be awesome. And I'm so excited to be on for this ride. And I'm so glad that it's locked in as three issues and they're all finished and they're, mm-hmm. you know, like prestige. Like this is the perfect, I would rather it be three oversized issues than six regular issues, right? Like yeah. I'm excited that once this has started, we're going to wrap it up in three months. Um, 
but yeah, it just, you know, it's that, it's that thing of like expectation versus reality and you got to temper that. And I think that like my expectations for this because of the time and everything probably gave it, um, put this book at an unfair disadvantage. What do you think of the Pee Wee Herman large Marge trucking? I was excited to talk to Ryan about that. I did not even notice that until right now. When Joker goes into the log cabin, the guy that answers the door is wearing a trucker hat that says Large Marge's trucking. And I happen to know that you're a fan of Pee Wee Herman. Tell him Large Marge sent you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just rewrite Big Joe and Phantom 309. A thing that made me excited, I don't know at all what it means, and I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. Um, when they do, there's the two kind of younger Jokers, it seems. And then there's like the Jack Nicholson seeming Joker. And he seems to be the one they're referring to as the boss. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, now what do we do, boss? And he says, we do what we always do. We try to make a better Joker. And that feeds into like, I can't help but have my mind on the Grant Morrison Batman run because I've been reading it. But that like the whole thing is building a better Batman is the first arc, building a better Batmobile this whole and then that whole thing is predicated on this idea of the Joker and the Batman going through these simultaneous kind of reinventions of personality. I'm mm-hmm. really interested in that line of dialogue. What is old man Joker? That's what I'm going to be calling that guy, old man Joker, <laughs> um, Jack Nicholson Joker. Like, what is this whole thing? We do what we always do. We try to make a better Joker. That calls into question, like, what is every Joker we've ever seen? Is every Joker we've ever seen like? a creation that these people have created through poisoning them with chemicals and like, are they trying to recreate? Like that's an exciting, juicy line. that doesn't get any resolution that I was excited to hear your thoughts on. I took it as kind of like the Scott Snyder thing where he's, um, you know, he's regenerating each time. I guess it was also the Grant Morrison thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where like whenever he, whenever a new writer takes over, he becomes a different Joker and every writer wants to put their mark on the Joker. Right. And, how many of them actually get to maybe seven. It's just weird that one of them is still wearing the same shirt from the killing joke. Like but the he's wearing Ryan... the other guy's shirt. Right. He said, he's like, that's my shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which means so. Okay. Hawaiian shirt Joker here is wearing large Marge Joker's shirt. He tells him that when he gets to the cabin and later on, he says, I have a good eye for talent. Hawaiian shirt Joker says, I have a good eye for talent. Old man Joker says, says the failed comedian who is the Joker from the killing joke, which means that the killing joke Joker maybe stole the shirt from trucker Joker. Well, and and beyond that, when the final line of this dialogue after Jason has killed the Joker, he says, I hope that's the right one. We might be able to piece together which one that was. So that is suit Joker. Mm-hmm. If, if Hawaiian shirt Joker is not killing joke Joker right now, and right. suit Joker is, that means that Jason just killed suit Joker. Do we know if suit Joker is the one that killed Jason originally or... I mean, I guess from... We, the, we know that it's the Killing Joke Joker. So what he did is just killed the Killing Joke Joker. No, I think, I think he killed the Joker he meant to. But, let, me ask, let me ask you this. Am I, am I incorrect? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Please. <laughs> when in the issue where Jason dies, they're in the desert. Mm-hmm. They're out, you know, I forget, is it, is it Saudi Arabia? Is it Iraq? It's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they say for sure, but yeah. Um. I swear I remember the Joker wearing like one of those like hard, br- it's not like a banana, maybe a Panama Jack hat. 
yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's wearing a pith helmet. And isn't he also wearing a floral shirt? He is because it was in, it was in that one hundred page spectacular that Neil or that um, Denny O'Neill had written right before he died that came out after he died, like the yeah, yeah, the yeah, Joker yeah, yeah. special. Yeah, he was wearing. And, and so, in my mind, is that Joker and Killing Joe Joker the same Joker? No, because the Killing Joke Joker borrowed his shirt to do the Killing Joke. But let's let's pause for a second. Hawaii. So guy shows up in a suit with the hat, and he ta- the guy that opens the door is wearing the the Hawaiian shirt, and he says your shirt. Now who's taking credit for things they didn't do? My greatest act of madness thus far, but nothing compared to what's next for us. So, was it his like? Is it is it trucker shirt trucker hat guy's shirt? But he's like, well, is it your shirt? Because I was wearing it when, my, when I did the Killing Joke act, which is my greatest act of madness so far. So maybe he actually is wearing the right shirt, but maybe just originally owned by a different guy. Because that's what that line of dialogue, mm-hmm. now who's, so, so the that's guy wearing, but that would mean that the guy wearing the Hawaiian shirt is still the guy who did the Killing Joke. Right. But Jason shot Suit Joker. Right. Right. Because Jason doesn't know. Jason just has no idea. He doesn't. And I think that's. I, I think Suit Joker is the one that killed Jason. Right. And and I agree. That that's the conclusion I just came to is that while Hawaiian Shirt Joker maybe stole that shirt from Suit Joker, he's saying that it might be your shirt, but I was wearing it when I did the most badass, horrible Joker thing, which was shoot Barbara. So maybe it's my shirt. Is I think what be, that statement meant. It would be really weird if he knew Jason's last words. If it wasn't the same Joker, hundred percent, you're right. Yeah, that that, mm-hmm. that unless, would be needed. Unless we're getting into some weird consciousness thing of they have shared experiences and all that. Like, and I'm down for that also. Or just pillow talk. But okay, so I I think that just like this conversation we just had, which is probably unlistenable to listeners of like Hawaiian shirt Joker, suit Joker, hat Joker, but um, but I think are you gonna do added, like a the magic of editing Wayne's world? <laughs> I. Uh, I really like the added mystery of just all of these people seeking revenge separately, but not, but the idea that they don't know if they're actually seeking revenge on the right person. And then us trying to solve these mysteries. And I like the idea of trading clothes and stuff, which we actually just disproved as being a thing. But um, that idea of adding mystery, like, well, what if, you know, this guy actually was wearing a different shirt at the time, but it is the one that did this one thing. Like that's fun. I like that. Yeah. I want my comics to be an amount of work, but I know that that's a minority opinion when, amongst comic readers. I don't think this has to be work though. And I really appreciate that. Like you can enjoy this just, you, you, like I blasted through this really tired the first time. And then I sat down with it and spent a lot of time with it the second time. Now talking to you guys, I'm juicing a lot more juice out of it. If you juice what I mean. Yeah, I would consider this podcast like a Jack Lane power juicer. Um, <laughs> so openly, I gave it a 9.5. Ryan, what did you say your score was? I gave it a, I'm giving it a 9.9 cuz I'm I think it's a 10 but I can't I will not be able to say it unless it sticks to landing. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 9.5. It would have been a 10 if it wasn't for that bat girl and if it wasn't for the speech bubble attributing the word ain't to James Gordon, which I think should have been drawn as Bullock. And you know, 9.5, trying to, trying to evaluate it as a single issue. I think it's pretty great. It's a ride I'm incredibly excited to be on for. I think that, you know, maybe 
maybe the the downside is how much lead time caused me to have an expectation for it. And then also I think Jason Fabok is doing work that is above, I think he is exceeding um, the quality of work I would expect from someone his age. Mm-hmm. But there are times at which the work I think does show the amount of age in it. And I think that it contributes to a little bit of confusing storytelling. And you that's can also what have down. three 9.5s that give you a 10.0 story. Exactly. Exactly. And that I totally agree with that. I think that like this could be 9.5. I think issue two could be eight or nine, 10 or three could be 10 or whatever, but the whole story could be uh, a 10 for sure. A hundred. So yeah, gosh, what a time you guys, we did it. We talked about Batman, the three jokers. We talked about a new podcast that we're putting out about Batman and coffee that I love doing. What a night. Does it usually yeah. take an hour to record? Well, usually Jeff, on one issue, this usually is Jeff a, doesn't forget to start recording. So listen, that's a this is, part. this is a special, epi- a very special episode of our podcast and people are going to love the double stuffed Oreo. That is this episode. Yes, because we'll be getting some thoughts from some other folks as well. And some glue from Django and Jeff, but Ryan, I'm super, super glad that you stopped on by and did this for us. Does it take this long? Yeah is the reason that I complain about editing the podcast because it's usually like three hours of audio that I need to turn into an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. It's a, it's a time suck. It's uh, it's the hour and 15 minutes, a number you invented so that you would have more work to do to cut it down from three. Oh yeah. Listen, can we, I, I need to take this last, this will be a great segue into the rest of the podcast that I will not be a part of because we're we will all be, about the segues because we will be having the baby. You guys have listen. I'm not a Jimmy TIV supporter. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but I am not a Joker War fan. But this podcast has been pretty harsh on those collateral damage issues, and I am so ready. I don't. I don't ever want to hear the phrase Rick Grayson ever again. <laughs> and so. I will say that I, I that last Batgirl issue where Joker shows up at her apartment, mm-hmm. that is a absolute solid issue. That was so amazing. That the one, that's the one that Django said is the best Batgirl issue he's read yeah. in a long it's time. It's the best Joker War issue and, I've read. And in a long so time. I'm even though like I'm not trying to diss on Jimmy T, like I'm ready for whatever is finishing out. Just, just get it. Let's just, let's just flush it down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. I, I hate talking about the current Batman book at this point, And I think that I would just rather not, <laughs> but that's a crazy thing also, because we've talked about all of them. Can you tell me your opinion of the, the Jimmy TIV Batman run? It's just a, uh, you know, like no fanfare. Uh, what, how are you the casual reader enjoying it? As a casual reader, it's a, it's uh it could be worse (laughs) and so (laughs) uh, it's not like i i pretty much agree with the the conversation of scott snyder has very selective batman stories that are really good and the rest i can do without and i am of that same opinion uh so i'm just like just just keep the wings from falling off till the next person gets on here yeah, yeah. I I'm a Tom King lover. Yeah, and I'm just ready for somebody, ready for Bat and Cat. How about that? There you go. Yeah, get that, get that book out. Yeah, no, I for me, I have this problem, where I would rather something be bad than mediocre. I just fucking hate sure. mediocrity. It's just like, 
either do something great or fail shooting to do something great. But don't waste my time and your time. And it just gets stuck in my gums, like whatever piece of broccoli has been stuck in my teeth this entire time. Like, it's just, um, but I would, yeah, you know, fuck, we shouldn't be talking about it on the podcast every week. But I don't know. We also love Batman, but we also love watching train wrecks. I don't know. You know, it's, it, it has good parts. It's it not, parts. it's not all bad. Some of the art has been amazing. Uh, I don't love the characterization of the Joker, but um, there, there have but been this things one's that good. were worth oh, it. This that one's jo- great. Last issue, Joker. Oh my God, the Batman or the the, the nightclub one? No. Django, am I, am I in? Am I in? Oh, Django's not watching. He's a perfect. little more. He's a little more Batman than <laughs> we're you trying are to. We're trying to sh- hold the comics up to match our face. Okay, listen, we got to get out of here if we're going to do any more podcasting on this episode. Ryan, thank you so much for being a part of it. Um, and it's been a huge blast recording Coffee and Cowls with you. And I'm excited for everyone to hear that thing because it has caused me to look at some books for the first time in a long time. The Long Halloween was the most rewarding read I've had yet. I can't wait for people to hear that episode because that the read of that book was it changed my perception of what I believe are the actual, you know, best Batman books out there. The most rewarding for me was uh, Dark Knight Returns and watching you decide that it wasn't your entire nemesis. Spoilers, but oh, style, look for coffee and cowls <laughs> because Jeff finally read Dark Knight Returns and he's got some adult feelings about it. Um, Thanks right, for having me on, guys. I'm excited. Oh. My, yeah. you know, my, my enjoyment of podcasts, period, started with you two oh. and learning. I mean, that's so sad, right? That is um, pressure. So I'm very, even though our podcast starts out with me, I'm still very rocky, very new to this. I'm not really that comfortable behind the mic, but I feel so special that I got to be on it finally. Well, um, listen, there are 75 episodes of this podcast that are just Django and Jeff and Justin trying to learn to be comfortable <laughs> behind the mic. So listen, in 75 <laughs> weeks, you'll be fine. You're doing um, great. You're, and you're doing great. And it's a blast. And that's what everything is about. So The only you. casual Batman fan with his own podcast about Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it, no, I mean, that's what I love. It's just an attempt to raise our bat IQ as you have addressed B-I-Q, that. So, like Batman um, in quarantine. Oh, I didn't think about that. Um, All right, Uh, we're going to go back to Jeff and Django at the studio. Jeff, Django, you're here.